0: Is it even possible to buy a property without using your own cash? I'm Sam Powell. I'm Joe Krause and we're the hosts of Property Powers Australia and in this episode we're discussing how to use things like equity to your advantage to buy more property and scale your property portfolio and wealth a little bit faster. Yeah, we also discuss joint ventures, what they are, how to do them, who to do them with and uh, offer a few key examples as we always do. Um, as well as you know, how you can join ventures with others to buy a property without using your own cash. Yeah, and we also discussed private lending, which is another option that can be used to get yourself on the property ladder if you don't have capital for a deposit. And we talk about things like you know, put and call options. So the thing in the past, uh, are they coming forward in the, in the future? Um, where you can se- secure a property today and pay for it later and extract value from it that um, you don't typically the property throughout that process it's a pretty cool little uh little trick there yeah and we also lastly discuss uh self-financing what it is how to do it and also how you can rent to own a property which is another interesting strategy that you could do with the right people yeah but before we get stuck in as always um i wanted to tell you that this is not the only way that we can help you for free. Uh, We have our own um, How to Maximize Your Borrowing Capacity mini course on our website, so head to propertypals.au forward slash resources and um, download this tool because it's really going to help you uh, increase that, that cash flow and achieve a better ROI for your investment purposes. Welcome to Property Pals, the podcast where we share everything around how to build a property portfolio from researching areas, financing, structuring, buying, selling, and reinvesting to live a life of financial independence. As a disclaimer, any information shared by myself, Jared, Sam, and the Property Pals team is strictly general and should not be taken as constituting professional advice. You should consider seeking independent legal financial And taxation advice from a qualified professional. Yes, we're on. So, just uh, a—we're finally recording this episode. Has been a tricky one with technical difficulties, but Mm. we're finally we're finally ironing out those kinks. Uh, And we're going to talk about how to buy a property without using your own cash. Yes, it's a, uh, there's a few different strategies in out there in the Australian copy markets. Um, some that you may know, some that you, you won't. Uh, but hey, let's talk about it, and if anything lights you up, let us know below um, through those comments in there, because we can dive deeper into each individual one. Uh, the best way to start with everything is to summarize it all and uh, yeah, get your mind ticking. Yeah, exactly, and some of these Ways are more common. Uh, The ones we're going to mention, you know, early in the pod, are more common than some of the ones that's towards the end of the pod that are a little bit left of field, uh, a little bit harder to do, less common because they're harder to do and can be a little bit more risky. But can still be done, especially if you're in a place where you are just like don't have too much cash, but I really want to get this property market. Uh, And I guess we should also preface this that the easiest way to buy a property. Is typically when you have your own cash. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like everything, right? So I talk about the risk reward ratios um, in previous podcasts, and you know, it's exactly the same here. So there's uh, strategies which are a little bit more risky, uh, but you know, the propensity to have that greater reward um, or your return on investment uh, is obviously greater. So listen on in. We'll, we'll touch base with each of them, but first up, go. Uh, yeah, Let's go with the most common one, shall we? Yeah, equity. Equity. all right So, what's equity? Let's let's give us a quick summary of equity, and then yeah, yeah. So, equity is basically the difference between the property value and the loan you have over that property. So, example, you've got a five hundred thousand dollars loan on a million dollar property. You have five hundred thousand dollars in equity. So, people need to have a property to use equity. And that property needs to have grown in value over the amount of the loan size. So hmm. this isn't for everyone. This is for somebody that has one property or maybe multiple properties. Yep, it could be investment or your principal place of residence. Um, everyone trained you to buy principal place of residence first. Uh, there's different strategies around not doing that um, because it's, yeah, reinvesting they call it. Yeah, reinvesting. I've looked into it. It's a really strong strategy. Uh, but yeah, so. That's your strategy? That's my strategy? Um, equity is. Uh, when you're pulling equity out, there's restrictions um, with banks. So you know, even if your, your asset was worth a million dollars and you had a $500,000 loan, generally they um, restrict you to an 80% loan to value ratio. So, yeah, round numbers, if you had that. You know, $500,000 in equity, in reality, you'd probably be able to pull out $300,000 because then you're going up to that 80% loan to value ratio, mm. uh, which is 800 grand, 800 minus 500, 300, yeah. 1 plus 1 is 2. And you're also, you're not using your own cash to buy the property because you're rolling over that equity to use it as a deposit to purchase uh, another property. One thing is that can happen when you do take equity out of another property is your level of finance will increase, so uh, you will be paying a little bit more. You'll have a higher loan uh, than you previously did, but it allows you to secure another property at the current market price before it grows, so it's a, it's a winning formula uh, for a lot of people. Some people don't like to do it because they don't like to increase their debt levels. Um, I totally get that. It depends on how you want to run your, you know, property portfolio, your strategy for growth, right? Yeah, exactly. So with those, uh, the increased debt levels, the banks will obviously stress test you on your serviceability. And it just it, it is an exercise. Go through, do it. You know, if you can justify that higher expense um, to pull that equity out, um, a classic calculation that I do with the, um, like cash flows for investors is if you're pulling equity out of your principal place residence as an example or other property, the purchase you're going to go through, you're actually doing a hundred percent loan to value ratio, which you're using total debt. you're getting debt on the property through the loan and the equity you're pulling out is also going to be debt funded from your principal residence or other other property uh, and then you add on your stamp duties and your legals so, Generally that's an extra five percent, five or six percent of your uh, of the purchasing costs for them. So the loan to value ratio on this investment generally sits around 105 to 106% as a loan to value uh sorry, as a debt component. because um, 'cause because you're, you're taking say you take out eighty K of equity, you're taking that eighty K and putting that back into the finance if you're taking 80k out of your ppr the principal place of residence then you are putting another 80k of debt on that principal place of residence by taking that 80k and using it to buy another property yeah and what that's yeah. doing is that going to diversify your risk you've now got two new properties you've also got that income generation from the rental income so uh yeah you run those cash flows and you can see that if you're running on a 6.2 percent interest rate then you know, what is the holding cost going to be on that property on that to value ratio and then you can just go look and it might sit around i mean you can for a nine percent uh gross yield on a lot of properties they're actually paying for themselves and that's a strategy which we can do in this current Australian market. It's quite difficult with interest rates um, at, that point, at that 6 plus percent range, but um, yeah, there's always an investment there, but you just got to be mindful of don't just run around chasing cash flow because it's the capital growth that's going to help you continue to grow your portfolio as well. It's a good balance between the both. and. Everyone's circumstance is different, right? Like it's just general advice once again, disclaimer. Yeah. Um, Other households have a higher income component. They might have a higher risk tolerance. So it's got to suit the individual at the end of the day. Yeah, exactly. And sometimes, you know, it's a bit more risk to get into the market, you know, doing these, you know, what we're talking about here, not using your own cash, it might take you, might be a little bit more risky. So you're not using your own cash, uh, but you're also going to get a higher reward. Uh, and then eventually, as you grow your property portfolio and the more, you know, asset assets you have, the more value you have in your property portfolio. Maybe you want to bring your debt levels down that way. Um, there's a really good um, quote that I got from a mate of mine, Owen, who he got from his uh, wealth mentor, wealth creation mentor, who said, For wealth creation, we need concentration. For wealth preservation, we need diversification. And uh, I thought that was a really good one to remember when, you know, at the start of your deal, you're trying to grow wealth, just concentrate on like one thing or one asset until you start to build that up and then you diversify into other assets. Yeah, I mean, every I was having a session with um, a client yesterday actually. The world's full of trickery. Uh, and people when you actually get to that point where you save all that money um, there's all these people trying to get that from you um, Giving you all these types of advice and it's getting worse and worse <laughs> these days because there's so many I guess clickbaity marketing campaigns that are really showing oh you can make money this way you can make money this way and i just pull back. i got pretty deep into that. But I have been deep into that for the past like, 10 years of my life and uh, there's no get rich quick but like, there's obviously people that do that and they're the, you know, the poster child for certain strategies but there's a lot that goes into it and that's what we going into what Joe was saying which is just pick a lane and just become proficient at it and know it. Like, if you don't understand it, don't invest in it. it. Yeah and you listen to this podcast it sound like you're going to be picking property so like just lean into it and get the right people on your team. There's... There's, there are people out there that are selling products that aren't as valuable and you don't get the best ROI. And I was talking to somebody about this in the business sense. Is like sometimes it's part of the initiation, right? Like you learn to see who is a shark in that particular, like say if you're looking at property, investing in property, you learn to see who's selling the courses and what they're selling you. And you might buy into some of them. I did that, right? You remember when I did that back in 2018, Sam? I went and bought a course and did a bunch of training with this guy who was a bit of a shady character, and I blew a bunch of money. Made some great friends, and I did a good investment out of it through the back of people that I like made friends with. Uh, But you know, that was part of my initiation. Getting into property is like learning like a strategy that was not right for me, and not going down that track and spending a bunch of money and, and. Chalking it up as a loss, so yeah, you, you do need to be careful with who you end up working with. But let's get back to the topic at hand. Here. Well, let's, guess, let, let, that is the topic at hand. Let's, yeah, let's sort of jump okay. into that scenario because right. that, is, that is a strategy which, um, on, at the time, um, Joe, we got really educated on that fact and spent a lot of money. I mean, what's a lot of money, Oh, I think I spent like fifteen grand, so it wasn't like a huge amount for me, especially at the time. I was, you know, like it awesome. wasn't loss but it was you know fifteen grand can go towards you know buyer's agent. You know, uh, so. yeah. But then there's also those buyer's agents that you know, aren't worth a grand as well, mate. Correct, so, yeah, definitely. And that's the biggest thing I work. That's why we're here to share you share yeah. with our team our team with you guys. So, so the, the strategy, and um, we're we'll going to touch base on that. This one let's touch later, on. but let's yeah. It now. So right. it was all based around put and call options, right? Yeah, put and call options, and the strategy was securing a property. For a one dollar option, two dollar option, maybe you know ten hundred dollars, whatever it is, but so securing a property uh, and having that option to exercise that option to purchase that property in like a three to six month period. So maybe you there might be like a, a unit for you know sale for three hundred thousand dollars, and you say, hey, look, I'll give you three hundred twenty thousand dollars in six months time if we agree to be exercising the purchases for $320,000 uh, and I have in that six months time, I have access to the property to do whatever I wish with it. And in that time you go in and you renovate the property, that unit, uh, and then you sell that unit. Uh, you get a contract of sale. So you know maybe you renovate it, you put like 20 grand into it. So your price is 340 and then you maybe sell it for 380. Uh, and get a contract for sale for three eighty, and then you uh, exercise your option. You buy it for three twenty, and you put twenty grand into it, so it's going to cost you three hundred forty. But then you're making three eighty, so the difference is forty grand. Yeah, you're 40 grand and less your stands, less legal, less a less bunch of agent, things. Yeah. <laughs> so this is just an example. Yeah. Um, you can do it with whatever figures will work for you. Uh, the reason it was really tough is because it's. And not the best way to go, in my opinion, for my, my investment strategy is it's really hard to find people that want to exercise that option because not many people know what a put and call option is on a property mm-hmm. and it just seems risky to them when they own a property, why would they do that? And so you really need to find people that are desperados that are wanting to sell their property and they need, they need money straight away or not straight away, but they want a higher price and they want it you know, maybe in the future. It's really fine, really tricky to find those. And I spent a bunch of time calling agents and making a lot of relationships, building them out in the in one certain market, and found it quite tough because everybody, even the agents like you, are you serious like this, this isn't a thing that many people do. This, they like a lot of agents had never really heard of it. So yeah, it was a strategy that I paid a, a decent money to learn, and yeah, I just wasted a bunch of bunch bunch of time. I would not say it's complete waste. I learned a lot in process about property in, in other avenues but that's one way that you can purchase property technically without your own cash and then and without needing to put your own cash into it and it works really well if you can find somebody that's going to want to sell you a deal with a put and call option and you have no cash to inject into it other than maybe a little bit you know 10 20 grand or reno which is not enough for a full property deposit well, you can do it now on finance and renovations now too exactly for so you know, find our pay later renovation yeah out there. but I mean going back but to the market, risk comes out there like the risk gets higher and higher as you stack that yeah mm-hmm. and you need you yeah, your to pay there the just holding costs. I think and, yeah but the the strategy itself it actually was quite prominent like years ago mm. um, and it, it's more suited to a suppressed market and so the last well basically since 2000 12 probably the bottom of the Australian property market for 2012-2013, um, it's just been a you know, an upward tick so people, it's low in their best interest to sell someone a property in six months essentially for maybe 10 or 20 grand extra um, and then you're competing against other buyers but in a really down market so have done nothing other than maybe drop for the past three years, um, people underpry, stress and they, they know they want to just get rid of it. They've got no buyers on the property. And this is why asset selection is so important. Is that If you've got an asset that no one wants to buy and you have to sell, it, it, it's just a bloodbath. You know? <laughs> like, people like yeah. point and call option people like Jared back in the day, they're the sharks they are just swimming around just going, oh, cool, well, I've got the money. I'm happy to give it to you, but on my terms only. Yeah, And they're only doing it because they know they're going to make a, a margin out of it. So you're the poor sucker left there that has overleveraged himself or like it got got sold a, a dud asset by a, you know, a trained real estate agent who's there to sell you on the dream, right? Like it's yeah, there's so much to it. So yeah. maybe we talk about that in another episode as well. <laughs> we say this every time about uh, how to not be sold into purchasing an investment that you don't know what it is and it's not right for your investment strategy. So yeah, that's putting that's that's put and call okay. options. Uh, that's we were going to talk about that later in the di- later in the pod uh, because it is something that's not super common. But back to equity, is there anything else to cover in equity before we move on to the next one? Uh, yeah, equity. You're not using your cash, right? You're, yeah. using, you're using the the value of the, um, the equity that's in your portfolio already. So it's yeah. a great way. Um, with, like without using your cash, right? You kind of got to sw- switch your mindset from. You go from a saver to an investor or a property owner and then you're paying all your repayments to hold that asset. That asset is becoming a savings vehicle in a way because you're putting money into it to stay in it but it's increasing in value over time. So you're essentially just using those savings which is called equity, that mindset shift to make your next purchase. That's a really common way. Yeah, and it's a really good way because what you're doing is, you're start when you start to think about this, and start to use these types of strategies. What you're doing is you're really starting to slip into the shoes and become the uh, the person that is a uh, wealth, you know, doing wealth creation. And what wealth creation really is is looking at what assets you really have and making sure. Your money is in the best buckets or the best assets are so going to provide the best ROI and how can you pull some from one bucket or one area to another area to purchase more assets and it's basically becomes a game of uh, uh, income and asset allocation where you're putting your money to work for you more so than you having to focus on just your time on your hourly rates at your job you're then focusing the time on how do I you know how do I put these? You know, different pieces of piles of cash or piles of assets, or what's you know the value of the assets grown. How do I reallocate? You know, funds. This is what I was doing on the on the plane yesterday. A friend of ours, Parker, and I went went to New Zealand. And I'm just sitting there on my phone, just like punching in numbers on my calculator, working out like how do I, how do I shift this here, or like how do I, like what's my next move? Um, and that I, I, I'm proud of myself for training myself to learn to think that way in terms of how do you allocate funds and put that to work in a better way and that's a really cool way for you guys to start thinking on your wealth creation journey. Yeah, it's a chess game and yeah, each each step, you know, you know, it can get you to the win and the win is, you know, I guess, freedom, time, freedom to choose what you want to do. Uh, anyway. I'll get into the, the, the mindset Next side of our time, but yeah, so equity is a very common way. Another common way is joint venture projects. Um, so that's basically using um, your, I guess, knowledge your skill set um, with people that have the, fin- the finances for it. Mm-hmm. Um, so obviously it depends on where you're at. I mean, you can do joint ventures with family as well. Um, where they're the, the financier and you're the person going around trying the deals, doing all the legwork, so it's like, well, your cash? Um, just a really good point. Disclaimer on that one, not disclaimer, just um, risk warning is just know who you're getting in bed with um, and know the complexities of a deal and contract everything. Have really good agreements set in place. Have good verbal communication agreements and then put them into writing Make sure was above board with everybody, but I like the idea of JV deals. I was talking about doing a JV deal with somebody where they couldn't get borrowing capacity, but they had cash. And like I want the best but like where am I going to get my best ROI? Whereas I could allow I could take their cash, use that as a deposit, and I would then have the financing in my name or in a, in a trust um, or a company. So I'm not putting my own cash in, and they're they're fronting the deal with cash for the deposit and purchasing costs and then i am holding on to the you know the finance it's, it's under my name but it's really i'm not having to use too much cash if it's a positive geared property uh, i just take on the risk and of that loan and then they take on the risk of the money being put into uh, as a deposit and if you've got a really good agreement like maybe you hold it for 10 years and you split the split it up then a huge win, so that's one type of JV deal that you can do. What's, what's some of the others, Sam? Uh, professionals like you know, your skill set, right? Um, you'll get a developer who like, that's a classic example where they've got all the connections um, and they've got all the deals, but they get people to finance um, the deposit mm. um, and they're just equity partners in that sense. Joint venture, um, so just look at your skill set if you're a builder, you're a tradesman, and you you can put that sweat uh, equity we call it, into the deal um, or you're, you know, you're really good at you know, finding asset deals. Like that's a, uh, a skill set in itself. You can use other means other than just cash to, to purchase property, but you just got to go in you know, with your eyes wide open and, and have those, um, those, those partners essentially that have to do those deals. So, um, so maybe like a, as an example, a tradesperson. Uh, might know how to do a renovation, or can do a renovation. Somebody might purchase that deal; they'll put the cash in. They will do the renovation, and then agree to a uh, sale. And once they get to the sale price, then they split, you know, the earnings between the the extra growth of the property. I guess between the tradesperson that does the work, and then the the person who finances it. Yeah. Yeah, so the joint ventures leads pretty closely into the you know, private equity funding and lending, uh, which is the other, well, it's a third common strategy that we see. So, you've got your joint ventures are you know, they're more just so those like uh, agreements where you're you're both joint working together to achieve the goal. Whereas your private lending and your vendor lending, it's more so you're the one doing all the the work and you're your financier basically, it's not, it's not a, bank. It, it could, it could a bank. It could be a bank, could be a third or fourth year lender, a loan shark, all those kinds of things. So this is kind of a separate one, a different one itself, right? private lending where yep. you could actually get maybe your, maybe somebody will just give you cash, maybe you get like 80 grand cash for a deposit, uh, 70 grand or 60 grand cash for a deposit from somebody and you go away and uh, agree to, you know, you buy an oh, asset. Yeah, bond, you, you buy use an asset. their money as a deposit, but it's all in your name, but you've got a private agreement with them. Yep. A okay, caveat the, um, at the end of the sale of the deal, maybe in five, ten years time, that they, they take X amount and you take X amount at the sale. Yeah. And there's also a great way, like a lot of our big family fund funds, fund managers, the all the, the trust fund babies in the world, um, they don't need banks. They just use family and they can have, you know, good Loan agreements, and if you have that much cash, the bank, from a family point of view, you know, if you hit stressful times, you know, your family's not going to fall in that loan unless they really have to. Um, but yeah, tweets are wrong But the, the private lending side, it's it's different in that um, they're not doing anything other than giving you um, the ability with the cash that you need. Whereas a JV is or a joint venture project; is you're both doing that the work towards the, the common goal. It just depends on. Like I've I've been approached with joint venture projects where I find the asset, I buy it, I do all the uh, the calculations on it essentially, and they just fund it. Yeah, and then also with their connections in that space, they can they help uh, open doors for me in ways that I wouldn't be able to do it by myself. So another way, I guess, for private lending is like for a deposit, you could get a loan for a deposit. Advocating this at all, but you could get some finance for a deposit, purchase that property with that cash that you got as cash advance through finance, and then you know get finance in your own name to purchase purchase the um, purchase the asset with that deposit. Yeah, and you so got two, ready? you got two sort of loans, but there's definitely definitely risks with that as well. Well, um, you got 106 or 105 like percent debt. Finance, on it. So you yeah. make sure the cash component for that asset is giving you is. Gotta be worth the squeeze, right? Like you're looking at a couple hundred bucks a week in that case. How much you earning? Is it it worth it? You know, you don't want to stretch yourself out completely. Um, I mean, worst case scenario, put your hands up, declare bankrupt. Everyone, uh, banks hate you because you um, repay your loan. You got a seven year black mark against your name, and the person who lent you the money at the start uh, comes after you for eighty grand or whatever it is, or your legs legs depending on what part of come to the world you're in. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they are three main common ones anyway. Equity, joint venture deals, and then probably uh, lending. So I'm talking friends, family, loan sharks, development finance, um, anyone who wants to give you money. And there's a lot of people out there that are happy to give you money, for you know, 10 20%. Because that's what they, um, they run a business off of. And yes, it's not a bad thing. It's just opportunistic. You know, like some people, you know, they, they can't borrow money. They might have had a really successful business, but they've been there for 12 months and banks aren't touching them. They've got to go that alternative route, um, and they, there's a good opportunity. So you just do your calculations and um, you know, make sure it fits. Yeah. Which, so yeah, go so they're, they're the pretty common ones. Um, the less common ones that uh, harder harder to do, typically, well, um, they the can be done. Yeah, these are the juicy ones. So we've gone through put and call options, which is pretty juicy. And then we can move on to seller financing. What's seller financing? What is seller financing? I put this one in here to chat about because when people buy a business, they can use seller financing. And buying a business can be similar to buying property, where you decide to purchase the business for a certain amount. Say you buy the property or the business for $500,000. And you say, "Hey, like I've got no cash. This is worth four hundred thousand dollars. I'll buy five hundred thousand dollars, or four fifty, or whatever it is. And then you, uh, the money that you earn through that investment, you pay out over time.
1: So Um, using using you,
0: the seller, as the bank, correct? Yeah. Then you pay them back over time. It's pretty typical with the business. It can be done with the property, depending on the property type. It's probably more common." With commercial, if you find the right person to do it with, or family, um, or family, or family, yeah, or somebody, somebody you know that's got a good personal relationship and uh, happy yeah. to take the risk on, yeah, it. yeah happy to <laughs> take the risk on it and, and be the bank basically, yeah, yeah, yeah. I like can the, really, the interest, the interest, you know, say the interest rates of the bank might be six percent uh, with you know, you getting your own finance, but you can't get finance, so maybe you say, hey, I'll, how about I give you eight percent if you finance the deal, and they're like, cool. Like they don't need cash straight away and they might be the bank and you pay them 8% instead of 6% from the regular bank and and then you can finance the property through them. Yeah, but they'll, like, only if they don't ask these questions, that's obviously a win, but they should be looking into your financial situation. So be open to uh, opening the book to your financial position because they're they're taking a risk on you Um, and obviously if they're open to seller financing, that's a fantastic result. So it's going to be a win win scenario for everything. Yeah. And then the next one we've got rent to own, which is kind of similar to seller financing, but it's without paying interest. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So it's kind of. I mean, it's like what you would call in buying a business an earn out. Yeah. Well, it's like what they say. Name says the box. Name on the box. Yeah. Which is you rent the property, you pay a slight premium, um, and you're essentially not only just paying the rent, but you're paying down. uh, You're paying extra money as a the deposit yeah. essentially and then yeah. you get to that point where you've got enough in that deposit where um, you can go get a loan finance it, and say I've got X equity uh, built up in this this property um, it's all contractual so I speak to your conveyances listen uh, around how to structure that but for those who are listening to this they're on the renting ladder and they want to get into property it's it's an option right like, all you can do is ask the owner of the property, um, if they're open to it. And, I, I don't know. I, I'm seeing, like, I get really good vibes out there, in the world, especially in Australia. Like, people, they take lower purchase prices of the properties because they want to sell their property to someone who people. is a good person who's going to look after their home. You know, like, it's, it's, yeah, it's so it's, normal. It's life. doable, but you just got a lot of questions to ask. I actually have a segment in some of my training that I do when I'm teaching people to buy businesses, and it's called "How to Become an Attractive Buyer," uh, because the more attractive you are as a pur- as a purchaser, uh, typically the less you can pay for the deal because you're attractive, you're an attractive buyer, and the person who's selling their business, it might be their baby uh, or it's their home, it might be their home that they put a lot of love into. They want that to continue on. For example, I saw sort of... I'm I'm. I'm getting out of Australia and I saw, I've saw i been selling some stuff and I saw this awesome guitar the other day for a lot less than I had bought to sell it for just because I knew it was going to a good home. And same with any asset really. It's like if you learn how to build relationships with the broker and also maybe the seller if you can, then you can get the deals cheaper. Broker being a sales agent. Sales agent. Correct, yeah. We're gonna keep doing this, man. I'm sure people <laughs> that listen to us are like, oh, yeah, Jared's just broke. Up in. So I mean, sales agent yeah, in a way, but the same, 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 yeah. So that's rent to own. And then we've got an interesting one that you threw out there, yeah. So definitely, um, depends on the time, the place, and who you're dealing with. But there's asset swaps, mm. so, um, classic, and this is probably more for like the house and land. Package of sales agents who just want to get that you know, that land sold essentially, so mm-hmm. people and I've seen people do very well at least yeah, so give us an example of like yeah yeah, so uh, asset swap you have a car, your car's worth thirty grand you don't need the car, you need the house because you know that hey I'm at that stage uh, if I can use this car as my deposit, mm-hmm. they'll take that as a deposit of thirty thousand bucks. Then you get the land, then you do your build, and then you can, you know, hire a car in the interim, uh, because your asset of a house and land, house and land is going to appreciate more in a day than a car. So it's uh, definitely not for everyone. Um the And public transport until you, until you can buy another car, or yeah, depends how, how desperate side you side side are. Or yeah. you, you give them a car, thirty grand, go buy a five grand car. Yeah, you know, like twenty five k there to put towards something. Or I mean, you don't have to give them a car directly, but sell the car down but depends on you know where you're exactly at if you're in that pressure cooker environment and the, um, sales agents like look will take your car go for it right? well it's it's coming back call, to... call me first and i'll talk you through it <laughs> yeah call uh, like we'll, we'll chat to you about our coaching um, soon uh but um, we're not advocating people to sell all of their things that they have no but when you start to Put on your wealth creation hat, and you start to think of somebody who does build wealth. Then you're starting to think of how much ROI am I getting from this thing that I've got? If I sold it, what's the opportunity? Like, what's the opportunity cost of me holding onto it versus selling it and putting it into another asset, like buying a piece of property, for example? There's people that have cars that are like seventy grand, right? And they could sell that car for seventy grand and put it towards a property. That is a Maybe they sell it for seventy grand, and then they put towards sixty grand towards a proper deposit and buy a ten thousand dollar car, and then they're putting that sixty thousand dollars into an asset that is an actual liability because the car's a liability at the end of the day. It costs you rego, maintenance, insurance, petrol, all these things. Uh, it does give you some sort of ROI in terms of transport. Maybe fun um, and performant if you love the car. But you love taking those Instagram photos of your your keys. The Mercedes Benz keys or your, your <laughs> steering wheel, see those ones, you know, like I'm killing it. I've got, I got an Audi and it's like, mate, that's what's wrong with the world. Sorry if I get him a little high horse, but the world's full of trickery. People are putting out there what is an actual reality. Like anyone can go and get a car loan and, you know, drive around like I think they're killing it and then drive back to their parents' place and sleep there for the night or go sleep in a rental. Yeah, people are actually just getting so lost in materialism, materialistic things because there's billions of dollars spent on marketing every year to convince you to buy things you don't need. Yeah, that's that is the key killer of you know wealth creation, giving you out of this hamster wheel. Yeah, is thinking about what uh, what what's your opportunity cost of holding these liabilities and these things that aren't keeping you, or keeping you, a, you know, earning you an income, and then are also keeping you in. Your current financial position, maybe that's working as well. Yeah, go ahead. Put your big rocks in the jar, right? Yeah. That's what I say. But yeah, there, there's some some key factors that we talked about. So like asset swap, well, that's probably the last one. Very uh, unknown uh, and and rare. I'm sure there's other ones, but we wanted to sort of sprinkle that little thought process going um, in your journey because if you see there, people people reach out, they're really keen to get on the property ladder. Um, they're just not sure how to go about it, and um, well, there's a, there's a couple of ways that you can, you can leverage it. Uh, but yeah, if you do have any questions or you have even alternative strategies that you've seen as successful, please reach out. Um, we'd love to get you on the pod and to just talk about, you know, ways that we can help our community financially grow and, uh, prosper. Yeah. Thanks for listening, guys. See you in the next one.